Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. One hears a lot about body language these days. And they say that you can tell a lot of person about, uh, about how they carry themselves. Are they open or are they closed? I mean, people are now engaging body language experts to evaluate candidates for employment, witnesses for testimony, the speeches of politicians. They say that one's body language speaks volumes about a person and what they're motives are, and any hidden agenda they may have. Now, I don't know if that's true. It might just be a lot of psychobabble for all all I know, but I do appreciate that there are certain aspects of body language that are important for us to pay attention to. What does your body language say about you? More importantly, what does our body language Say about the body of Christ. If you have your Bibles, I would ask you to open them to Romans chapter 12. Yay! We're, uh, we're moving into the home stretch here in Romans, and from 12 on, it's really practical theology. Paul has given us some incredible uh, uh, doctrine uh, in chapters 1 through 11. And, uh, uh, and as we move into the practical aspects, I think that the thing that Paul wanted us to carry forward more than anything was a sense of humility and a sense of appreciation and gratitude for all that God has, is, and will do through us for his kingdom. Last week, we looked at those first two verses of of Romans, and I'll just read them again because they're just such great verses. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You remember last week we talked about the fact that as we live, we worship. Every opportunity that we have to take a breath is an opportunity to honor and serve God through our worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And for today, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a person's gift is prophesying, let let them use it in proportion to their faith. 
If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them, uh, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. What does the body language of the church say to the world? Are we closed or are we open? Are we welcoming or are we standoffish? Now, statistically, if you look at some of the, uh, uh, some of the surveys that are done out there by people like, uh, like Barna and the Pew Foundation, the, 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 the church is fighting an uphill battle. We need to reinvent ourselves, so to speak, in accordance with the Word of God. It needs to guide and direct who we are. And it's so important for us to wrap our minds around this. And I so appreciate what Paul says here in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. We come back to that theme of humility. How hard is it for us to be humble when we have the truth? When we have the truth and we know that other people are struggling to find the truth. The temptation is for us to be a little haughty, a little arrogant, a little self-serving. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you see the truth that is as plain as the nose on your face? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't see your nose. You're wearing masks. (laughs) Humility and gratitude need to first and foremost identify the people of God. Yes, We have been given a measure of faith. That measure of faith, it is a gift of God that has allowed us to see and understand Jesus for who he says he is and who we believe him to be. And and, in in fact, I had this marked and then I pulled it out. Uh, I love these verses in uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, where Paul says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The measure of faith God has given you. It has been suggested by some that the measure of faith that God has, has given to us is, uh, is really a, a, a standard of faith that we see in the person of Jesus Christ. So we come back to recognizing that Jesus Christ is our model. He is our paradigm. We are to follow him. But others would say, well, no, no, no. Each of us is given a measure of faith. How much faith a person has is reflected in how they live in the kingdom of God. 
So let me ask you this question. What would you do if you had 10 times the faith that you have right now? What would you do? And what would you say if I told you that in response to your answer, go out and do that? Because you have the faith to do what you just thought about in your mind. You know what that is right there? Can you see it? There's a little dot. You see, anybody see that? There's a little dot right there. There's a little tiny dot right there. That's a mustard seed. I taped it in my Bible. It's a mustard seed. Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Somebody shared on the, on, uh, at the, uh, on the, the pre-sermon Bible study that, that when they first came to faith, they heard that, that statement, and there was a mountain, and they prayed for that mountain to be moved, and, 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 they, and, and, and the mountain didn't move. So, well, so much for God's promises. I said, really? Why did you want that mountain to be moved? What was your motivation for moving the mountain? Was it a mountain that needed to be moved? Or were you testing God or testing yourself? It is so important for us to understand that we cannot use God in any way, shape, or form, manipulate God for our own purposes. That's not why God has given us faith. God has given us faith to move mountains when mountains need to be moved. The question is, does this mountain in my life need to be moved, or do I need to adjust accordingly, and is God trying to do something in my life through that mountain? Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. God has given each one of us a measure of faith. And you may look around and you may say, oh, I wish I had the faith of that person, or wow, this is so much, it's so much fun to watch this person really do great things for the Lord. What is stopping us from doing great things for the Lord? Do you know how you do great things for the Lord? You start out by doing small things for the Lord. You start out by exercising the faith that you have. Faith is a spiritual muscle. And muscles, if they are not used, atrophy. Now, I have a a mustard seed taped inside my Bible. Do you know what good that does me? Absolutely no good at all, except to open it up and show you a little bit of illustration. Seeds do not belong taped in Bibles. You know where seeds belong? They belong in the ground. They, they, they need to be planted. They need to be watered. They need to be nurtured. That's what we are called to do with our faith, that measure of faith that God has given to us, to plant it, to nurture it, to begin exercising our faith in creative ways. How? How do we do that? How do we exercise our faith in creative ways? Well, Paul's going to tell us, just as each of us has one body with many members, And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. The body of Christ. We use that language in a lot of areas. A body of government. But the body of Christ is something that ought to captivate our imagination. This morning we're going to participate. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper. And when when Jesus instituted the words of the Lord's Supper, 
he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. This cup is a new covenant poured out of my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink it. We are the body of Christ, both locally and globally. And we have bodies. Look at this fine specimen here before you today. But see, what you don't know is that You know, I got some arthritis in my wrist. Every now and then my back hurts a little bit. And I want to tell you what, when my back goes out, I'm in a world of hurt. I mean, my whole body knows it. I feel the pain. How is that reflected in the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. As a body has different members. I've got hands, I've got feet, I've got ears. I've got a mouth, a nose, eyes. Each one of them has and serves a different function. But without all of that, I would be less able to live my life the way God designed it. And we know people, we know people who have physical disabilities and they struggle with life. And, and we've, we've, we've tried to organize our societies to make life more conducive and easier for those who have disabilities. But the church of Jesus Christ should have no disabilities because God has equipped the church to build his kingdom. And each and every one of us is a part of that body. Not everybody's the hand. Not everybody's the foot. Not everybody's a set of eyes. There are some gifts, there are some parts of the body that are more visible than the other, but every part of that body is vital to the functioning of that body. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, each member belonging to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And then Paul goes on to list some of the gifts. Prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. Serving, use it in service. If it is teaching, teach. If it is encouraging, be encourager. If it is contributing to the needs of others, give generously. If it's leadership, lead diligently. If showing mercy, do it cheerfully. And this is not an exhaustive list of gifts, but the point is we don't all have the same gifts. But all the gifts come together to make one body. All the gifts come together to make one body. What is your spiritual gift? We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about that a lot. And the fruit of the Spirit is something that we share in common. The fruit of the Spirit is organic, if you will, to the body of Christ. We all produce that fruit. Love, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, peace, kindness, self-control. Those weren't in order. But they're all in, 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 uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. Those are things that each one of us strive to cultivate in our own lives. What a gift we give to the world when the world sees the fruit of the Spirit in the body of Christ. And what is love but to will the good of another? But I I don't know about you, but I want to be around people that exhibit uh, uh, love, joy, peace, kindness, uh, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. 
We have that in common. The fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, that's a, that's a whole different kettle of fish. The gifts of the Spirit are as unique and individual as those of us who are sitting in the congregation today. And Paul doesn't list all of the gifts here. He just gives a sampling. There's another sampling in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And he's encouraging us to understand what our gifts are. And to understand what our gifts are, the first thing we have to do is take an honest assessment of ourselves. We need to know who God has created us to be. And accept who God has created us to be. And sometimes that's frustrating. Because sometimes I want to be taller. Sometimes people want to be shorter. Some people want to be thinner. Some people want to be bulkier. Some people want to have long hair. Some people want to have shorter hair. It's like we're never happy. We are so critical of who God has made us to be. And we want to be something that we're not. And until you come to grips with who God has made you to be, you are going to struggle in the kingdom of God, and you are going to struggle in life. It wasn't a very sobering moment in my life when I realized that I would never be an NFL football player. That just wasn't in my gene pool. That was not one of the gifts that God has given me. To take an honest assessment and recognize that you are who God made you to be. You are perfect in His eyes, in how He shaped you, and and the gifts that He has given you, and how He wants to use you in His kingdom. But first and foremost, you have to accept that God knew what He was doing when He gave you straight hair, or curly hair, or no hair. That God knew what He was doing When he appointed a time for you to need glasses, thank you, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for the minds that came up with the ability to grind lenses so that I could put on glasses and read, God has gifted each one of us differently. We need to recognize our own limitations in life and recognize that even with our limitations, God is still able to use us in mighty ways for his kingdom. The second thing that we need to do is recognize that God has, in fact, given us a gift. A gift of the Spirit. And that gift could be any number of things. It it could be teaching. It could be service. It could be giving. It could be hospitality. It could be knowledge, it could be wisdom, it could be healing, it could be tongues, it could be interpretation of tongues. And I know some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 wait wait a minute here. Did I just hear a Presbyterian pastor say that tongues was an acceptable gift in the body of Christ today? Yeah, you betcha. I have dear, dear friends in other denominations that exercise the gift of tongues. Something that I'm, yeah, there are things that are mysteries to us. We need to wrap our minds around that. I am a firm believer that all of the gifts that were evident and and, and present in the first century church are present in the world today. Several years ago, we did a gift survey at at a, a Tuesday night Bible study. And, and, and people would come out and they would talk about the different gifts that they had. People had gifts of administration and gifts of leadership and uh, gifts of teaching and gifts of service. And, uh, uh, and after the Bible study was over, everybody left except one person. 
and they came up to me afterwards when everybody else was gone, and they said, Pastor, I took the test, and, and my, my gift is tongues, but I didn't want to say anything in, in this environment. And I just smiled, and I said, you know what? If, if a gift is absent in a body, then that, the, that, the body is handicapped. So good for you. Just make sure that there's somebody around that can interpret. And the next day, somebody in the Bible study called me and said, Pastor, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I really think that I have the gift of interpreting tongues. And I laughed. And they said, what, why are you laughing? I said, because now all the gifts are complete in this body. Now, here in the Reformed Church, we tend to... Uh, and it, it's interesting how, how, how the gifts uh, kind of shift themselves denomin- denominationally and theologically, that uh, uh, within the Reformed tradition, there seem to be more people with, uh, uh, with the gift of, uh, of, of, of teaching and the administration and gifts like that. Uh, and then, it, and then, as it goes down the list, you have you have fewer people that have the gift of serving, hospitality, generosity, and and then when you get to some of the more charismatic gifts, the you know the people in the Reformed Church kind of step back and say, "Ooh, not in my neighborhood," but but I, you know I I just don't believe that. I believe that the Spirit is at work in our lives in doing things that we can't even begin to imagine, and to be open to whatever it is that God has gifted you to do. And how do you know what that gift is? Well, you look for opportunity to step into the world and make a difference. And if you've ever felt motivated to say, you know what, I could do that, but I'm sure somebody else will take up, take up the, the mantle and they will do that. Don't, don't, just, don't, the, the, the latter part is not from God. The former part is. If there's an opportunity, if you see a need and you're in a position to meet that need, then you need to step forward and meet that need because God has probably gifted you to meet that need. And yes, it's a little scary. And I'm not asking you to go out and save the world. But I am asking you to recognize and to realize that God has, in fact, given you a gift. And exercising that gift locally will lead to opportunities for you to exercise that gift globally. It starts locally. And yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking to kind of step out and say, well, gosh, maybe I could do that, but I'm so nervous. What if I make a mistake? So what? You need to look around and recognize that you are in a place where you are loved, where you are accepted. Back before all this nonsense happened, one of my, one of my, favorite, one of my favorite Sundays was uh, when it came time to, uh, to, to take up the offering. And bless her heart, Kate Gap, she's, she's, she started taking up offering when she was eight years old. And people said to me, Boy, isn't she a little young? I said, are you kidding me? She has a heart to serve. I'm going to let her serve. And so she got up, and she had done it a couple times. She reached over to to pick up the collection plates, and they slipped out of her hand, and she dropped them. And four collection plates being dropped on the floor made a little bit of noise. And maybe there was a very slight, audible gasp from the congregation. And everybody's thinking, I'm so glad that it wasn't me, and I'll never do that because I know that's exactly what would happen to me, and that's why I don't volunteer to take them for the collection. Kate didn't bat an eye. She didn't look around. She didn't do anything except bend down, pick up the plates, and then join the other ushers, hand out the plates, and carry on like nothing happened. I went, go, Kate. Oh, that we would have the faith of a child. 
she recognized at an early age a gift of service. She wanted to jump in, and we let her. Who knows where that girl is going to go? Kate is no longer eight. Now she's ten. i got to keep changing the rhyme. But that's another story. Know who you are. Know who God has created you to be and recognize that God has given you a gift. God has given you a gift. And that inventory that we took several years ago, was, uh, uh, we've, we've, we've changed it a little bit. And there are, there are, lots, of, uh, there are lots of assessments out there. Uh, how do I find out what my spiritual gift is? Well, you answer some questions. And, and all these inventories, they're, they're a little imperfect. I, 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 I'd be the first one to admit that. I haven't found one that, yep, this is the one, this is the one that's going to tell you exactly what your spiritual gift is. But the one that we're using now is a good place to start. You go through and you answer a bunch of questions, and it will tell you, uh, it'll, it'll suggest this could be your primary gift. And then this could be your secondary gift, and this could be your tertiary gift. So it gives you three, op- three opportunities, three different giftedness. And then you just jump in and say, okay, how do I exercise this? And if you want to know how you can gain access to this tool, just go to our church website and scroll down. And I think it's about the fourth or the fifth uh, uh, little box. It says spiritual gift inventory. You click on that, and you sign up, and... And it doesn't cost you anything. It's going to ask you some questions. And then it's going to give you back a listing of what your spiritual gifts are. You have them. And you may look at that first one and say, no, nah, that's not me. But you might look at the third one and go, yeah, you know what? That, I, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. And then let's put that gift to work. God has given you a gift so that you can use it for his glory. God has given you a gift that you can use for His glory. When you glorify God through the gift that He has given you, you are expanding God's kingdom. Because not only does God see it, but the people around you see it as well. We have to know who God has created us to be. We have to recognize that God has, in fact, given us a spiritual gift. Maybe more than one. And we need to use that gift for the glory of God. The thing that we cannot do is envy somebody else's gift. I went to a, I went to a, a seminar one time on spiritual giftedness. And they said, if you, want us to, uh, if you want us to tell you what your spiritual gift is, uh, come up here and we'll lay hands on you and we'll pray and, 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 and we'll ask this Holy Spirit to reveal to us what your spiritual gift was. Well, I, I knew it. I knew what my spiritual gift was, but I, it wasn't something that was pretty, it was nothing fancy. And, and so, uh, you know, I wanted one of the flashier gifts. And so I did. I went up there and they prayed for me. And, uh, and after about 10 minutes of prayer, they looked at me and they said, this is what your spiritual gift is. I knew that. I wanted something else. I wanted something different. Can you guess what my spiritual gift is? No, actually, my spiritual gift is encouragement, the gift of encouragement. And I remember going to a conference one time, Dale Bruner, one one of my favorite theologians, wrote an incredible commentary uh, on the the book of Matthew, and I I walked up to him, and I I, I had my copy. I wanted him to sign it for me, and, uh, uh, and I thanked him for his ministry and handed him my book, and he wrote in there, Dear David, thank you for your gift of encouragement. 
So, you know what, I just want to encourage people to figure out who they are in Christ and to exercise their gifts, the gifts that God has given to us to make us a whole body and to move forward the kingdom of God and give God the glory. That's what this is all about, the body of Christ. And how do we do that? We do that with appreciation and we do it with humility. Not coveting the gifts that God has given to other people. But recognizing that God has uniquely gifted us. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And you're a piece in that puzzle. And you've got to figure out where and how you fit. Because if you don't, then there's always going to be an empty space in that puzzle. And we don't want any empty spaces in the family of God. Just as each of us has one body and each body has different members, so we are collectively the body of Christ. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to GMPC. One year for study leave, I went uh, over to England to visit the English Labrie. Uh, Labrie is a community where you go and you work half a day and you study half a day, and then you have these extended meals where you talk about the ideas and the things that you're studying. And uh, there was a young man there, and he was uh, actually the son of a, of, a, of a pastor, and he was an angry young man, bright, bright but uh, uh, was, was disappointed in the church. And uh, uh, the, the meal conversations were, were hostile toward, uh, toward the church. And uh, I would sit there at the mealtime and I would listen and keep my head down low and uh, uh, try not to engage to uh, infuriate him any more than he already was. And the facilitator knew I was a pastor, and, and so in the middle of this conversation at one meal, he turned to me and said, David, you're a pastor. <laughs> how would you identify, uh, how would you describe the perfect church? My heart is up in my throat. And at that moment, God gave me an answer. I have to credit God because it, it was just... It, 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 It was just so far above my pay grade, and it was nothing that I ever thought about before. But as soon as he asked me that, my throat was up, uh, my heart was up in my throat. I, I, I paused for just a second, and I looked at him, and I said, well, the perfect church would be one in which every member knew what his or her spiritual gift was and was actively engaged in exercising them. And then I went back to eating my soup. (laughs) He looked at me, and he said, well, that's a... That's a good answer, shorter than I expected, but that'll that'll work. And as as I've thought about that more and more, I recognize the truth and the the depth of of that wisdom that God gave me for that moment. The body of Christ is made up with unique individuals, each one gifted by God to make us a complete body. Understanding who we are, who God has created us to be, and then exercising those gifts, be it preaching, be it teaching, be it hospitality, be it generosity, be it service, be it compassion, be it mercy. It's those gifts that come together in humility that shine the brightest for God's glory.
What part of the body are you? What does your body language say about how you fit into the body of Christ? Let's discover those gifts together. And then with humility, encourage one another to exercise those gifts for the glory of God. And I believe that when we do this, we will see the Spirit of God move in our lives, in in our communities, in ways that will affirm that we are indeed living in God's kingdom today. We gather to worship God. And we've done that with those who are here, with those who are at home. And now we go forth for the rest rest of our day to think on these things and to give thanks for God's faithfulness in our lives.